Hi guys, Ryan Bailey here bringing you episode number 9 of the Ball Talk podcast. In this episode I was joined by Cara Finn and Galway footballer Gary Sice. I'd recommend sticking around for this one. We had a good chat about Gary's career and he picks his My 15 in the second half of the podcast. As always, the podcast is sponsored by Adapt Athletic Performance and Therapy. You can find them on Instagram at adapt underscore sligo. The link will be in the video description. Give the page a follow if you can. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Subscribe, like, share, all that stuff if you can. And let's get straight into it. Okay, this is number, this will be number nine uh, of the Ball Talk podcast. Today I'm here with Cara Finn man, Gary Sice. Gary, what's the crack? How are you, Reen? How's it going? Are you well? I'm not too bad, not too bad. How are you keeping during, uh, during quarantine? Yeah, you know, it's going grand. Obviously, I'm missing the, the normal life and routine and stuff, but uh, I'm after building a new house, so I had a, a long list of jobs I had to get done, and it's actually working out grand for me at the moment. So um, the weather's helping too, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been okay so far. Yeah, you're kept well busy, so. Very busy, block lane and messing and wheelbarrows going and the whole lot, so yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. been grand. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. Um, so just for this podcast, uh, as I was saying to you earlier, I've got a mix of questions that I've sort of done up myself and a few topics that I want to raise. And there's uh, people sending questions as well. And we've got your, your My 15 selection at the end too. So we'll go straight into straight into the first question. And it's to do with your Galway career. So you had, as you said there, 12 year inter-county career. Yeah. Do you miss it? I do, I do, and uh, to be honest, Jay, I think the initial the initial break from it, um, I've been very, very fortunate. I was going back to a very, very strong club, and uh, the the professional ethos and the way we did things at the club really just gave me a straight run back into a very, very good system. Um, I only think I think it's only when we stopped for the for the club for a few weeks, I got a bit of a jolt and realised that okay, life is about to change a bit here. So obviously, yeah. I went into level and I. Playing at a good level of Galway all the time as well that we were training constantly, and then I was going from county to club, county to club for probably eight or nine years. We we got in a run there, and I ah, look, it, it's different. It it is very very different. And the big days of championship this time of the year now when there should be championship going on, you do get a bit of a pang. You'd love another crack at Mayo. You'd love another crack, crack at, at Roscommon and that. And they, there definitely is a loss. There definitely is a, a period of I don't know. I was grieving the word, but you definitely do. You do get a massive sense of loss when when you step away from it. Yeah. And as you were saying there, like there's a, a selection of lads now, let's say over the last 10 or, 10 or 12 years, Cara Finn lads, um, that you're, you're doing so well, uh, not just in the club, in the county championship, but then you go on to Connacht then, and it's a long year. And especially the years, let's say from 2015 onwards, that you've won four All-Irelands. How was your schedule there? Like it, it's, it's obviously a very, it's a hectic schedule you're going from, from club, are you going straight back into county? Did the county give you a few weeks there after the All Ireland? Or yeah, well, more or less. So, so I'll take 2015 as the marker. So I stepped away 2014 for for half a season, and uh, we ended up winning the club All Ireland in 2015. And on the back of that, so it worked out great for me. And then Kevin Walsh brought me back in. Uh, so let's say we won on Paddy's day, and then he gave us ten days. And uh, obviously, as a new manager, he was. He wanted to get off of the right foot, so we took the Paddy's day. I think it was a Tuesday. We had that week doing what we do, and then yeah. we were yeah. we were back in on the following Thursday and played Roscommon in the league in Roscommon. Um, it, it teamed down rain. It was a real nice winter's day down there. Really horrible, but in other years we didn't really get a whole lot of a break. And I don't think. See, the thing is, too, we lost we lost two other semi finals in a row, 2008, 2009, uh, lost the Connacht final here and there as well, and and. You nearly want to get back on the horse. I think yeah. sitting and wallowing is not going to help. But there definitely was a very heavy schedule there for a period. You know, our club manager has been Kevin and Stephen Rashford were exceptional with us, the way they dealt with us. And the people we have around us are so, so good. Um, they're monitoring our loads, they're monitoring our work rate. And even though as I've gotten older, they've tapered my training and, and brought my training to a level and peak and troughs and, and brought me to places where I needed to be at the right time of the year, not flogging me all year long. And, even though I wasn't doing all the heavy stuff, I was doing the stuff that was right for what I needed to do. Yeah. And compared to the to the Galway side of it as well, over the last the last two years of my of my career, I didn't I didn't find it hard. I didn't find it heavy. And uh, the training was tailored, and it was very very good. So it's football at the end of the day. It's what we like to do. So you couldn't say I couldn't complain about what we've had over the last five or six years. But it definitely is a it definitely was a heavy schedule. It wouldn't be for everyone. I don't think everyone would enjoy it. Some lads needed more headspace away from it than I did, and 
that's that's okay too. It's very individual. Um, and as you're saying there with the tailored schedules, like they're so so as you're saying, they might have you training differently compared to a lad who's who's 21 years of age or something like that. Uh, do you think without that approach, um, you wouldn't have been able to to do the intercounty and club thing at the same time? I think to a point because I stopped in when I was 33, um, relatively old now at this stage in, in inter-county se- sessions and, and it, I suppose most panels you're probably looking at 29, 30 downwards now, you're not looking at anyone yeah. above that. Um, I think that's a, a mistake on behalf of most managements, I think what you're getting now with lads minding themselves so much, I think a guy who's 30, 31 and who's in really, really good shape, it's a huge asset to any team because of the experience he's going to have and if he's learned anything at all about his career or his football, He's going to be a, a clutch player come the end of the game. He's going to be a guy who's going to make good decisions with the last 10 minutes of the game. He might even play the whole game for you, but he could be a guy who actually swings something for you in that. So I do think I do think the, the management of me was key, and I do think that stepping away from Intercounty when I did probably gave me three other years, maybe even four more years, five more years playing really high-level club. And it was a good decision I made at the time, and I'm glad I made it. Obviously, I've, I've had success since because of it, but um, I, I, was, I was very happy making the decision when I did. And I think that's that approach. Um, in speaking in sort of recent news with Kieran Fitzgerald recently announced his retirement from from club football as well. That's probably what's given him the extra few years too. That tailored approach. Yeah, Fitzy Fitzy's a machine. His training was uh, phenomenal, and and he'd said himself that he's learned so much over the years around what to do and what not to do. And I suppose he would have been a heavy trainer all the time. He just loves training. He loves training. I love yeah. making ground. He's always a good nick. Um, but I think he he trained smarter rather than harder over the last couple of years and the result of that was he played in our final at 39 and he was up and down the field he did everything he had to do and more um, so I think he's, he'd be a great template he probably is a template for me at the moment uh, around what I'm doing I'm 36 in November now so I'd be bouncing off him now I'm very fortunate as well I have a guy called Mike Homer he's a Velocity Fitness there in June he's with Galway at the moment he's been with us for the last 10 years with Curfin and he's a former Galway and Curfin player He's been looking after my weight schedule since I'm about 20. So he's got every single bit of data I could possibly need on myself. And then uh, David Hanley is our physio and another guy who's been looking after me for 10 or 11 years. So I've had consistency there. So every little knock and niggle I've got, if I go to the boys, they've probably seen it and they know too much, too little, stop squatting, start doing this and, and just tailoring their approach for me. And I've been very, very fortunate to have these people around me. A little bit of luck here and there as well. I haven't had a whole lot of injury. So these things are all, they all come together to, to, to give you a, hopefully a good performance when it comes down to it. And as you're saying there, the, the player management side of stuff, um, it, it's probably, you know, some people might say Carfin are just the best football team in the country, best best fellas to kick points and, and block scores, but it's it's all that stuff from behind the scenes. And I'm, I'm going to ask you about Stephen Rotter. He came in in, in 20, or sorry, the 2014-2015 All-Ireland that you won. Uh, what did Stephen bring that year that was different to kind of bring you to the next level? He came to us in 2013 and um, we won a county final in 2013 and got beat by Castlebar in the Connacht semi-final and we learned a, a harsh lesson that day. We were a good few points up and actually got beaten by a point or two and they were coming strong. We didn't realise at the time but they were coming and they have been, they've been there since. Um, I suppose he was he was an outside force and he could just look at us um, for what we could bring to the panel, not who we were. There was no internal politics or no internal messing involved and he just... He brought a real level of professionalism to it and brought a different aspect to our football and a different way of looking at it. And just he, He's an exceptional guy to deal with um, and uh, he, he's played a big role in, in what we are and what we've done. And obviously he, he's done it himself as a player with, with Crossman Line and that too. Um, but did he bring in, in terms of coaching or anything, did he bring anything different? Maybe, maybe like... Uh, you know, go like say goalkeeping coaches, uh, sports psychologists, stuff like that. No, everything, everything we had in our was internal. Every everything has everything from our strength and conditioner to our physio to our facilitators or anybody as you mentioned there is doing any kind of mental stuff with us. Everybody was from Curfin. Right. Um, we've had nobody from outside. Only Roch, and he's as much Curfin as anybody at this stage because he's been there with us and he's gone through the, the tough and, and the hard with us. Um, so he just tweaked a few things we had. I think we had everything there just hadn't got it all lined up the way it should be. I think when he came in, he had a different perspective on it and he brought a real level of professionalism and accountability to it. And he went on then to do the same with my own. Like, um, and he's yeah. now doing it all. Well. They're, they're, they're making strides as well. So just a very, very good guy to deal with. And as I said, he, he's been a big factor in my own career and he's been a big factor in the club. 
hundred percent. Um, let me see now. I've okay. So actually, just just coming on from that that question. Um, of course, Rochford went went and got the old job then. Uh, and as every club goes through managerial changes, whether it be one in ten years or some clubs might go through four or five. Uh, in that change, in that managerial change um, on that sort of topic, is the Carfin team of the last, I'd say, 10, 15 years, has it been a player-driven team that you can allow the managerial change and still kind of go the same way? Yeah, I suppose, to a point, to a point. We've had a lot of player changes over the years. We've had a lot of player changes over three years. We've had new lads come in, the likes of Kieran Malloy and Dylan Wall and and these guys, they're not that old. They're 20, 21, 22, Dylan McHugh. These guys have come in and they've kind of freshened up the group and we have a few more to come hopefully now as well. And I don't think that's been player-driven. I just think it's been, uh, we've been very fortunate to get a good group together. Um, Kevin O'Brien has been with us now for seven years. Uh, he's been there, he was there as a selector with, with Roch and he continued on as manager after Roch left, which was a huge bonus for us because he could just continue on whatever it was we were and also bring his own ideas to it as well. And again, a perfect man. So um, we're very, very fortunate that way. Very fortunate to, to have a bit of continuity. As, as you said, there are some clubs and ourselves as well. We've had a lot of change over the years and sometimes yeah. continuity can be a fantastic thing. And we've been very fortunate with the guys we've had. There's a sort of opinion some people have and it's, it's, it's a topic of discussion, I suppose, that... There should be more Carfin players in on in on the Galway panel. What's your stance on that? Yeah, we've all heard that one, and, and yeah. it's an interesting one. But I, I think you have to be you have to be realistic about this and say that there's two different levels to it. Club is one level, and intercounty is another. And some lads just don't want to go on to that level. And even when they do go on to that level, it is a different level. So um, in Galway, we've got an abundance of footballers all over the place. Um, it's not like they're just in our club; they're everywhere. We've got an awful lot of talent coming through all the time. Um, I do think if we hadn't have been as successful at the club, maybe more of our lads would have kicked on and played more with Galway. But some of them just, for whatever reason, um, didn't kick on and take over their spot in the county team. I don't think any of them are aggrieved or too put out by it. Um, you see Roland Steed this year, he came on there in the league, played the first three league games. Very unfortunate yeah. for him that he didn't get more time. He will when it goes back. But uh, he's coming into his own out at the moment the last two years. So he's going to be one to get his Galway jersey. And uh, we have more coming as well. Hopefully that'll, that'll get in there. But... As I said, I don't think anyone's too agreed, and it is two different levels. So, yeah, it, it's it's an opinion more than a fact. I think whether they should or not, it's up to it's up to yourself and what perspective you have on it. We don't get too caught up in it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and just I was only looking at it today. Yeah, uh, four four Ireland's you've won with 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 Carfin and what eleven is it eleven counts titles? Twelve. Twelve. Sorry, twelve. Yeah, the all counter hard got. Yeah. Just on as as you're saying, they they they're hard got, and I know in recent in the last was it last year you had the draw with um, Mount Bellew Mola. Last last two years we had a draw draw with Tune uh, last just a year gone and the year before that with a draw Mount Bellew. So these are very close rivals, and they've been coming strong. A lot of young players coming, and um, we've been on on the track for a while. So it's not that we took that for granted, but just they came with different game plans and. They gave us plenty of it, but we managed to recover on the replays both times, so thank God. So, yeah, the, the county title is a, is a very special one. Um, there are medals that I cherish massively in, in, in any collection. There, there are ones that I, I particularly cherish, um, and hopefully we'll, we'll get a crack at another one or two of them before I call a halt. And some people, some people will probably think that, you know, the county title mightn't mean as much to you because you're, go, you're, you're a team that's... Synonymous with winning all Ireland's now the last few years that you're probably at the start of the people probably think at the start of the year that Curfin have the All Ireland in mind. But do you still celebrate that county title when you win it? Oh, massive. Yeah, yeah. Geez, it's huge. It's a huge thing. It's a huge thing for us. Um it's everything really because you get such tough games from, from tough tough rival teams. Like we've in the last three or four years, we've had really, really tough games in Go and it's only when we got out of Go we started to kick on a bit. Um, and they, they really are tough games and as I said not everyone has one and they're very very hard one they're, they're a special medal to have and they're a great thing for our younger lads to be aspiring to get their hands on because to be on top dog in Galway is, is a very 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 special thing and a very hard thing to do uh, I'm going to move on to the sort of quick fire questions that, that people have sent yeah. in shoot 
So uh, first one is, and you can give two answers to this, or maybe it could be the same man for both. Um, yeah. I'm going to ask you, who is the biggest joker on either the Curafin or Galway panel? Biggest messer in the Galway in, in, in biggest messer in the Galway panel. Eamon Branning is up there as a messer. Anyway. He's an absolute joker altogether. Uh, just a disaster. Um, Curafin panel, you've got a couple of candidates. Dylan Wall is up there. Uh, Gizzy McGrath is up there. And Michal Lundy is definitely up there. Any one of those three on a given day could cause you havoc. Could anti could happen. So uh, would yeah, they be to sort of lead on from that question? Would they be meant to play pranks and stuff? Like, what would be the best uh, prank now that you've seen? We played a challenge game uh, not so long ago, um, and uh, it was a really cold evening. But for some reason, a cat managed to get its way into the dressing room, kind of came in a window or something, and uh, Gizzy went into the into the shower. And when he came back out, the cat had been positioned just inside his gear bag, and he managed to get himself onto the bus with the cat in the gear bag. So that's, that's the worst thing. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff now. So that that's that's just one of the. Obviously, it all fell to play, into place, lovely. But that's just one of the. Uh, one of the few things that happened lately that that has stand out a bit now, right? And what happened to the cat then? <laughs> we, eventually, we eventually got the cat off the bus, but uh, right. yeah, a bit of crash. No, no, no animals were harmed in this. It's all good. The next question, you were saying how you're celebrating every country title. Someone asked, how hard do you go at it after you win the All-Ireland? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, we have a good run of it. We had we had a pretty good run of it now, right? Um, you'd have a couple of days, I suppose. You'd have a little break in between, and you might go at it again for another day or two. It's it's a special time for the group, and um, special time to spend with with those that have uh, have given us the time to go and do it. You know, so it's not necessarily always spent with a big group of forty lads together. We might head off with uncles and and family, and you know, wait yeah. for a couple of a couple of my brother and stuff, and. Yeah, it's just a very special time, but yeah, you have a fair old run of it, all right? It's 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 a it's a good time. And do you stay in Dublin that night, or are you straight back home? We stayed in Jor- in Jordanstown, uh, just outside there, just outside Minute. So um, back there, a lot of supporters there. Thankfully, it was very very good crack. Uh, Johnston House, sorry, Johnston House, where we stayed, and then uh, from there, then we came home, and um, yeah, pretty good day coming home now as well. Like very good. Yeah, yeah, very good day coming home. The next question, uh, your favourite footballer growing up? Favourite footballer growing up? Uh, I played as a defender until I was uh, 25, 26. So I rarely looked up past midfield as to who I wanted to be or whatever. Um, Sean Oldeprayer was always up there. I always had him down as a stylish player and yeah. the collar up and he, he just looked the part. Like, um, Tomás Mannion was another one I, I, I followed a lot. I, I just thought... Just yeah, he's just a wrecking ball. He was a he was a real contender all the time. Um, probably Tommaso Shea as well. To be honest, yeah, I think them two yeah, definitely that would be in or around where I'd be looking. And after that, as I said, anyone after number seven, I wasn't really paying too much attention to them until I got a bit older. So yeah, yeah them, them, three, them three big hitters for me. And you're saying there, uh, you were back up until 25, 26. Yeah. Were you, did you play in the forward line at all, or was it just your constant continuous back? No. No, so I played at um I played at cornerback for most of my Jardis time, uh, for most of secondary school. I won a home cup at, at cornerback. Uh, played a, played a little bit fullback as well. And then I ended up again pushed out to the half back line with the club, and ended up making my debut at Galway. I played most of my time until twenty five, twenty six at wing back at Galway. Um, and then for two thousand and eight or nine season, the club pushed me up to number ten, and from there on, then I just kind of kind of started ticking to gear, and Ratch came on board then and our game plan changed our, our space has changed a little and it really kicked into gear for me at number 10 so I don't know just a kind of um, I suppose a, a natural maturation of my career and it pushed yeah. me on a little bit and uh, something I, I really really glad happened because uh, it's a different mentality it's a nicer way of living life as a footballer playing as a forward there's no doubt about it playing as a cornerback is a, is a lonely lonely place when things are going on not, yeah. not anymore anyway that's and then sure. uh, th- that transition going from a, f- a defender to a forward, did you try and like I said, like kind of model your game on by watching forwards play, or did you just go with the flow of it, or how did that uh, work? But, uh, there was a lot of lot of learning, a lot of new learning in it because I had spent a lot of my time facing the goal and and tearing up the field on the in the, on the end of uh, attacks, whereas now I have to figure out how to change my runs, how to change where I was winning the ball, making sure that I wasn't finding myself back in the half-back line too often. And it was a fair bit of learning, um, but 
I suppose someone like Paul Galvin or someone like Brian Duber was probably what I was looking at for a lot of it because them, them guys were they were getting on the end of two or three scores every game but they seemed to do a lot of damage out of the middle of the field and there was a lot of learning I'll be honest with you but um, a lot of good footballers around me and that, that really helped um, and a lot of good communication coming from, from people coaching me as well and that was, that was probably the key component of the whole lot that people that were trying to help me to develop this knew what they were talking about and they were able to give me clear, clear communications on what, they, what was expected from me um, the next question is, it might be, this could be the same answer, uh, as you said, with your favourite player, but the biggest influence on your career? Oh, my dad, by far. Um, my dad has been has been there since, already coached me from under five up to maybe under 16s, and be it good or bad, you're going to hear it when you come home after a game, and it's always a good yeah. grounding thing to get it to. Um, I suppose, as, from a coaching point of view as well, Frank Morris has had a huge, huge effect on, on, on my my career, he's been our underage coach here in the club since 1990 or before that, and okay. basic skill and all that kind of stuff. He's just been a phenomenal guy to have. And, and uh, Fitzy had a nice piece in, uh, in his uh, his retirement statement about him, which was very very fitting to have Frank mentioned that. Um, I've been very fortunate; I've come across some great coaches, but I think them them two are probably the two biggest uh, influences I've had that have been consistent throughout. The next question, then I, I, I know I have a few of them here, but. Uh, the next one is for a goalie to make that next step. Now the dubs are the, like the dubs, as you know, they're a monster. But what do you think, as a as a man who's played, you know, had a, a long career with Galway? What do you think Galway needs to make that next step to uh, to be in a, a All Ireland semi final team? Say, so? I think we're getting there. I think this year, if things had been left alone, things hadn't gone the way they've gone I think we definitely would be, uh, be very very close um, I think going back to the Galway style was a big part of it um, I, the last three or four years from a Galway supporters point of view were probably frustrating but they were they were definitely building blocks that were needed and uh, I think for the next two seasons or so it's going to be very very exciting where Galway are going yeah um, so there's definitely building blocks needed and the building blocks required um, everything that was required Kevin Walsh did it and he, he worked with the group he had and he, he gave a lot of learnings to the guys that are there and now Park is coming in, he's bringing it from a different angle. But I think what they've learned before and with the new information, they're going to be a fair animal to deal with. Um, the athleticism, the power, the strength, and, and the just sheer football ability is going to come to the fore. I think they'll be a pro bar team. I think the, the Super 8 model will suit them. And I, I wouldn't like to have to, to deal with them at full throttle in pro Park. I think they're going to be a fair animal to deal with. Because there are some massive footballers there, no question about it. Like you look massive, at Shane Walsh, he's probably one of the most naturally gifted footballers in the country. Yeah, he is. And, and the big thing about Shane now is we're looking for consistency from um, having played with him and been around him a lot. And, and he's a gent, an absolute brilliant guy. All I could ask for him now is that he gives us a, a season, a full season of, of, of what he is. Um, I think he's mature and massively now with captaincy. And I think our look skill base and his athleticism is just frightening. There's very, very few, if any, that can match him at the moment in the country. We just want to see him putting six games together let's see six championship games in a row and if if that happens Galway are going to be very very close to doing damage to anybody um, you mentioned the Super 8s there the, the tier the tier 1 tier 2 system was supposed to come in um, this year but probably won't happen now uh, uh, for obvious reasons uh, what's your take on the tier 2 system do you think it's a good idea I suppose sitting from a tier one county's point of view, I, I, I probably think it is. But I think if you're on the very, very edge, if you're on a rebuilding system there and you're down in Division 2 of the National League and you're in the bottom two or three of that and you might be a traditional county and all of a sudden you get jolted out of tier one into tier two, it could be a long way to come back. It could take a lot of building. It could take a lot of time. Um, the opportunity is probably there for traditional weaker counties to get up into tier one. And to survive up there, I think there's a there's good and, and bad points to it, but I think it could be a really really good system. I think it could um, it could inspire some of those counties that have been in the middle for a long long time to either cop onto themselves and drive on, or it might pull them back in. And you also might find two or three coming out of the woodwork that might just thrive in the system, playing against teams of their own, like for two or three seasons at a time. And all of a sudden, it could improve massively and get pushed up into a tier one situation. Um, there is also the, the real fear and the real possibility that the Tier 1 could push on way further than, a, than it is now ahead of all the weaker counties and you could be left with yeah. massive counties between the two. And that's a, that's a, unfortunately, a, a harsh possibility, but with your population um, 
your population hubs and all the numbers in Dublin and, and not so much in Galway, maybe a little bit in Cork and, and that that's always going to be a strength that can't be matched by the weaker counties with less population and no matter what tiers you have or what else you have in there, that's that's going to be the long and short of it, no matter what you do. Big time, because it's it's the argument for and against. If someone's for it, they're obviously going to look at all the advantages that it will bring. And part, like personally now, I would be for it because I think the the football, the National League over the last probably four or five years, it the, I, there's definitely more people watching it on telly and it's getting more time on the telly. There's some great you games the, coming out. The games are brilliant because everything's even. Teams teams of alike are, are going against each other and what you're getting is you're getting one and two point victories for everybody. There's no there's no hammerings in the league. Then you come to the summertime and there's weeks upon weeks where there's just trouncing's been handed out and no one's watching it yeah. after twenty five yeah. minutes, it's over. So let's 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 let it, let's let it go and see what happens. But I do think you're going to get better games. I'd rather go to a tier two game that's going to be tight than a tier one game that's going to be hockey. There's yeah. no doubt. About it. I'd love to see a, a 17 points to 16 points tier two game than a 115 to eight points hammer in a super eight game. There's no point in that. There's nothing learned. There's no entertainment. Yeah. So yeah, look. Let's see what happens with it when we get back. And um, yeah, it's a nice experiment. I'm glad they're finally making a move towards it. I'm glad that they're trying to change it up and make it more even space for everyone. 100%. Uh, the last question now before we go into your, into your team selection. If you could change one rule in the game, in today's game, what rule would you change? Or bring in a new one? <laughs> I'd get rid of the mark straight away. Um, the inside mark? Yeah, it has to go. I think before we even try it in championship, it's just I've watched back a few games over just out of boredom during this COVID-19 crack and uh, some, of the, some of the games were class and as you're watching them and there's some brilliant scores where a where ball has been kicked diagonally across, it's hit a corner forward on the, on the chest and he's managed to flick a hand pass to the runner. That, that hand pass won't exist in today's game. And if you let that yeah. go for a season or two, your nippy corner forward won't exist anymore. Your little Magista, your little Leanworks, your, your Gooch-type footballers, they won't exist in the game because there won't be a, necess- there won't be a necessity for them. Um, I just think we're, we're, we're probably five years too late bringing that rule in. I think that should have been in maybe five years ago when the blanket defence was rife and everyone was trying to do a blanket defence. That would have been a real, really good reaction. And yeah. now it's five years too late. I think it's going to make a right mess of the game. And you could end up getting a, a game of just fouling the ball in top of each other in club games too. It's going to make a real mess of it. But what, what does the referee do now in a club game? Like he, He's going to have his hands full about the mark. And even the games where, where in the National League, the, the hand signals and the communication between referee and players for marks were poor. There was, there was a lot of situations where the referee didn't know whether it was being marked or not. There was one in, in the Galway game, Galway-Donegal game, where um, the, the, the player actually called mark but didn't have a hand signal. And that's fine, you're allowed to do that. And the referee blew him up for steps. So he stood to take his mark, got blown up. And uh, I think Galway won by a point. Could easily have got beaten because of it. But yeah. that happens in the championship game to be carnage. And as I said, whatever going into the county where you've got everything going for you, how are you going to manage that in a club game? I just do not know. So Definitely. Because like, you know yourself, referees come under enough criticism as it is. Oh, it's a terrible job. Like a terrible job. Who wants who want to do You bring in a rule like that, it's in a club game, say, you know, like referees, I don't think it's... Some people say the, ref, the referees aren't great, but the amount of abuse they get, like... It is. They're doing, it's the, they're, doing, they're, they're doing the best they can, and, and let's be honest. But what I'd like to see happening is that they, the the umpires and linesmen become more accountable and be allowed to influence the game. That they actually can can flag a, a problem or flag something that has happened, or call attention to something that's going on on or off the ball. They don't do that anymore. They're just there. There's the referee standing in the middle of the field. He gets no help, and whatever decision yeah. he can make in his own, like maybe two referees. Could be helpful. Yeah, if I've heard that people the game kind of proposing that for. Yeah, two umpires and two referees less out of the rock. Um yeah. that could be the way to go, but but uh, definitely not the way they're changing the rules at the moment with the mark and stuff. It's not for me. Definitely, because I think it was two years ago now, um Sligo played Roscommon. It was an FBD league game. We went up to it in Hyde Park and they were kind of trialing the inside mark rule then. And they were trialing this three hand pass limit thing as well, do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. And like just if you like we watched the referee for about thirty seconds and it was just pure carnage, like you yeah. know, fellas, there'd be three hand passes and fellas no further than me to you away on the screen and kick passing about to each other. Like Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It just didn't make sense. And I think I'd love to know what their what their long game is on this, like and what are they looking for? Like yeah. we're teeing up as rules scouts to come over and take players. hundred percent. And again, as I said, 
your your under twelve, your under fourteen or sixty manager is going to start profiling kids based on their size now, not based on what they can do football ability. Because if he's a big monkey, he can play corner forward now. We kick it in top. You yeah. might end up losing some of your best ball players because they're just not big enough to play what this is perceived now to be. Um, like if you go back five years, you go back, go back to Connell, take Conor Callahan as your player. He can kick it in long term, but you want to see a ball bounce in front of him. If he gets it in yeah. front of him, it's game on. Is he really going to take you on anymore if he thinks he can just get a mark, a soft mark? I don't Definitely. think so. And that's very sad for the game. I don't think it'll be a good change at all. I think the, the tricky kind of forward and a really good full forward returns and goals of his man is an exciting part of the game and I don't want that to change. I don't want that to go away. Not, not 100%. He'll get rid to sum it up. He'll get rid of free, free, free flowing game and just yeah. all stops there as he said. Yeah, your, your half forward line breaking through and smashing a ball from 13 yards in the top corner mightn't happen anymore. Um, exactly. You could be looking at just a game of freeze, which is not, not what we want. Definitely not. Definitely. So look, that's the that's all the questions wrapped up, and thanks to everyone who sent in sent in the questions. And we'll move on to the fifteen now. So for anyone who hasn't seen the podcast so far, uh, I asked Gary there the other day, as I've done over the last number of weeks, to make fifteen of the best players that you've played with, whether that be a club level, county level, colleges, railway cups, international rules. They all they all count in it. Uh, the only rule apart from that is that you have to be in the team yourself. But Barry John came in, except confirms that last week. He, he stuck himself on the bench. But uh, we'll, we'll start off now, Gary. We'll start off with where you put yourself yourself in the site. Yeah, I put myself at number 10. Uh, so I think over the last maybe eight or nine years, where I've played best football, it's, it's probably where I, I've made a bit of a name for myself. I've done all right. And, and it's probably where I've enjoyed a lot of my football, um, both with Galway and Corfin over the last eight or nine years. So... I stuck myself in there and in hindsight if I got a chance at it again I'd probably do what Barry John did and throw myself over because I've played with better number 10s but uh, just for the season we'll leave myself there and see see how we get on Spot on and back to the number one spot then We have Bernard Power um, so I, I've played with Bernard now for, for quite a while Bernard came onto the senior panel in 2007 or 8 um, uh, a huge man in, in the bowl uh, huge kick out possibilities uh, big game player in fairness to him um, He's been on and off the Galway team, but when, when he did play with Galway, uh, he played there in 2015, we beat Mayo after a five-year gap down in Castlebar. He had a really, really good evening that evening, and he's been very, very, very important for us in the club over the last couple of years around his kickouts and his, uh, his distribution. So definitely had to put him in there, and, and uh, hopefully he can continue his form for us now when we go back to, to the real life again. And I was, I was actually going to ask you how important is he to the team, but you've, you've summed it up pretty well there. Yeah. Uh, he's just he, his, his, ball, his ball distribution is good he played a lot of football out, out the field and uh, in his own head he's number 14 or number 11 but uh, we leave him where he is for now uh, very confident on the ball very competent and he can kick a pass he hit one 70 or 80 yards in one of the Irelands and Crow Park to Jason Leonard on the run no problem so as I said a big game mentality just kind of goes out and does it in one panic which is what you want in the keeper I think did he send one to you one time um, was it the uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Casper, Casper. yeah, an absolute bomb. Uh, I'd say with about 75, 80 yards. Just he has that in the locker and he's able to pick out these passes. So, yeah, as I said, he's been a key component to us and um, yeah, I had to put him in there for, for, for It's the an essential part of, of a goalkeeper's game now that they have that vision and, and that ability to, that they know what it's like to play outfield. So they know what, say, you're thinking when you were making that turn for that run and stuff like that. Yeah, well, Bernie, Bernie plays a lot of sevens and uh, he won another Ireland sevens last year in Kilmacud uh, from goal. I don't know if he get 111 or 112 in the competition from keeping keep So that's what, that, that's what you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. so he, he's very confident out the field and, and I'd say, as I said, he, in his head, he's playing number 11, not number one. So it's a good mentality to have when we're, when we're playing ball like that. 100%. Your full back line then, I'll let you name the, the two, three and four. So I have Mike Comer, I have uh, Kieran Fitzgerald and I have Alan Burke. So... Uh, all of these three guys who played with Galway, uh, Mike and Fitz both have all Ireland medals from 2001, and uh, Alan has uh, quite an array of medals as well. I think he has 10 counties. He has definitely three All Irelands. He has Hogan Cups under 21 All Irelands. He's a fair pocket of them as well. So I start with Mike. Um, Mike played. He was a sub number 17 or 18 in 2001 with Galway, and he played continuously up until 2015 with with a cornerback. Uh, was probably one of the best cornerbacks in, in the country um, at his time when Alan Brogan was coming up. He, Mike Comer was the man who picked up Alan Brogan on the final and ate him alive. And then Mike went on to play at uh, two, three, four, six, seven, I think, with, with Galway and uh, had, a, had a very good career and then pushed on with us as well. And um, did his cruciate actually 
in Leitrim, um, Connacht semi final the year we won the All Ireland 2014. So right. he missed out for a bit and came on in Crow Park, thankfully. So a massive, a massive footballer, and he's been my strength and conditioner for the last uh, 12, 13 years now at this stage. So not only was he brilliant on the field, he was way ahead of his time around his condition himself and the way he minded himself. So a huge influence on our club and a huge influence on, on me personally, but also a, a damn good footballer in, in his day. Right, good footballer. Spot on. Yep. Uh, Fitzy needs no introduction, I think, at this stage. Uh, Definitely. Uh, an absolute icon in the club and um, an honour to with Galway as well. Uh, distinguished year, career with Galway. Played, played every game to his last and has the record of county medals in Galway at the moment and has his four All-Irelands as well and just an absolute a legend in every single way on off the field and a monsoon a monster in around the box in there it's just, a, just yeah. what you want old school full back that can run so scary thought yeah. oh monster of a man yeah and the last guy in is Alan Burke um, Alan probably could have played number 13 or number 4 he could have played number 2 or number 15 no problem man Total footballer uh, in every way. He picked up Declan Sullivan in a in a home cup semi final and ate him alive. And the following the following year, we played a number eleven for Kirkman. So that's what oh. you're dealing with. Yeah, huge athlete. Played with Galway for probably ten years, I think. Um, everywhere from two, three, four, six, everywhere as well. Um, and played with Kirkman in, in multiple positions. But I, I put him at four to squeeze in, squeezing one or two more. But uh, I played with Allen since I'm five. Uh, we started together and we've played in every single grade the whole way up. Galway and Curfin and Jarrett's and uh, just uh, one of the better footballers probably one of the best footballers I've ever played with Jeez, that's a massive asset to have as well like that you can you know you can kick points you can block them as well like as you said there you put him in corner corner back he'll come up in the last minute of a game and kick the point for you to win it and has done and goals and and probably one of the best finishers I think most of the goalkeepers in Curfin will tell you if you're going to win a moment with Adam Burke which is no chance um, so Jeez. cool so, so calm so collected excellent soccer player uh, just, a, just a huge athlete, a sportsman of every kind, and uh, and said he never, if ever, uh, left us down in any position he played in. Um, always an eight or ten player, and, and what more can you say about someone on only good things like that? Massive. Uh, five, six, and seven. Then uh, Gary. Yeah, not a bad half back line. We start with this man. I don't know if everyone will know, him, but we've heard of him, uh, Declan Meehan. Um, so when I went into the Goy panel first, there was a few guys in particular who put their arm around me and gave me a hand at 19, and Decky was one of them. Um, Decky was winning sprints, probably pulling up with 20 yards to go. Uh, he was just a machine, and he was tearing into tackles like there's no tomorrow. It wasn't a big guy by any means, but he was just made of, of teak, and he just loved the, the contest and loved the battle. And then if you got the field nine times out of ten he was looking for a score so I think no more than Sean Ogle in my eyes when I got to see Dickey up close I realised okay the level is changed here this is what we're after now um, just a super super footballer and went on and got us all Ireland and, and he was just um, a fantastic player and then we had loads of battles in the club as well he played with Caltra um, and then they got their all Ireland club as well so brilliant yeah. fella brilliant footballer and a huge uh, huge role model for me when I was in around the goal panel spot on yeah the next guy is Liam Silk, another guy I don't think at this stage needs much of an introduction. Uh, mm. Player of the Year a couple of years ago, for all Ireland's. Uh, he's now driving on with Galway. Uh, was getting American jobs, but I know he's turned it on his head and he's started to take, even from corner back now, he's started to look at it as an attacking option. Uh, huge athlete, huge machine, um, a highly intelligent footballer, and I think he's only going to go from strength to strength when we get back on the field. Uh, still only 25, um, has a lot of football play, but... Uh, Probably, probably the worst person I've had to mark. I think. Um, yeah. Just a nightmare to deal with. He's trying to score you, so you're trying to bring him in towards the goal, and he's thinking one-one. It's an awful feeling, and the worst thing is he can get up the field and get back, and you're just trotting after him trying to get up with him. He's just a machine. Um, and as I said, he's gone from strength to strength over the last while, and I'm excited to see his development over the next few years. It's going to be, he's going to be one of the best ones we've had for sure. Both Galway and Kirkman. And would he be a, a similar sort of playing style to to Alan Burke, as you said there? Yeah, I, I, Alan. To be honest with you, skill wise, I, I think Alan's probably better. Um, but right. as far as as far as mentality and strength and physicality goes, Liam is ahead of Alan that way. They're two different players, but they both have the same idea of if if I'm going to have one of these numbers on my back, I'm going to take you down the field. I'm going to go play. So Liam yeah. can mix it. He got a lot of goals for his last year in the championship, uh, coming from cornerback. Um, he got one against Ballantubber. He got one against Pierce's. Um, probably should have got one in the semi final as well against Nemo. I think he sort of hit a post. So. Just taking it, taking it to a different level, and um, 
taking taking on his corner forward and saying, right, let's go play on my terms, which is a, a great asset to have in your defence. Definitely, and a corner back on penalties as well. Corner back <laughs> on penalties for last, well. last year. Yeah, goal, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no confidence issue there for sure. That's 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 for sure. Yeah, there's no the issue. Right there. way to be. You're number yeah, seven yeah. then. The last guy is Damien Burke. He's actually Alan's first cousin. Um, Damien played with Galway for probably ten years as well. Captain Galway. Um, I think pound for pound, he was probably the best cornerback in the country for two or three years. Um, my abiding memory of curve of Damien in a Galway jersey is he hit Kieran McDonald on the shoulder in the middle of Paris Stadium in a kind of final and panned him. And I mean panned him out. Uh, took the ball off and we went down the far side. And Got a goal, and it was just—it was probably the biggest roar, one of the biggest roars I've heard in Paris Stadium, and in, in my Galway career, he literally smothered him. Then um, yeah. went to Dublin at, at seventeen or eighteen to go to college, and he came back a machine. Um, his conditioning and his his level of training and his level of physicality was just enormous altogether. We played him a corner back for years, doing man marking jobs, and he actually ended his career playing number eleven. What we didn't realize was that Damien could kick points. Uh, <laughs> so he he left and right, and, and just he was uh, he was huge athlete, but you couldn't have a defence without him. So he he was definitely up there with Fitzy and, and Mike Homer in his mentality. And again, he was a huge um, had a huge effect on me on on the way he approached the game and the way he approached his training. He was just a, a professional in every aspect of it, and. His performances mirrored his uh, his attention to detail off the field. So the, them six would take some serious beating. Now I think uh, in any in any team, and I think they're they're guys who who have performed at high level all the time um, consistently. So it's some guys can come out and do it for two or three games, but very rarely you get guys that can do it every game. And they, Definitely. Trust. That back six you have there, and, and the keeper like Damien Burks, you said there another guy that can go up and kick scores. Yeah, uh, and it's actually something that myself and Maddie Donnelly talked about a few weeks ago. It's the you know uh, defenders being able to, to to play football like the forwards can as well. Is that something that that you think is like obviously really important in the game in today's game? It's key. It's key, and I think it's it's not even it's not even to it's not even to play. It's to even to be able to think like a forward. They have to start when they get up, when they get to the halfway line. There's no point in it to bring up to the halfway line and stop and lay off a ball. They have to know that if I run into this area, I can actually hurt the other team. They need to understand the game better than they ever did before. The day of playing fullback and just being a fullback is is non-existent. It's going out the game, and I think we're going into a more fluid game of your number fourteen probably has to be able to block the ball down. Now. He needs to be able to actually check a man and do a bit of tackling. Whereas your number three, if he gets through on goal, he needs to be able to finish. And that's yeah. where we're going to now, and and that's that's probably the model going forward. And I just hope that this mark and little bits of pieces are changing, don't affect it too much, but because. The games have gone so fluid. Tyrone, obviously, with Matty Donnelly being a great example of it. You could put any number on his back, it won't matter. Like He's going to be all over the field and he could probably do everything. He is left, he's right, he can tackle, he can hit, he can get nasty, he can he can be the nice footballer, he can be the opposite. And I think Dublin are probably the market leader in it, but I think everyone else is trying to do it. Uh, Tyrone are definitely, definitely been doing it for quite a while. Kerry are trying it, they definitely are, and I think Goway are coming closer and closer. So... That's the style that's out there now at the moment, and it's definitely exciting to think about, and definitely something you'd be hoping that uh, is being coached down the ranks to, to these kids coming up. Hundred percent. Uh, your midfield, then, Gary. Move on to them. Yeah, these two are inseparable. Um, these two had to go together. So I've played with some fantastic players uh, through Galway and Curfin, but these two have been um, have been a model of consistency together. So I've number eight, Ronan Steed, and number nine, Dahi Burke. So I've been very fortunate to play with these two, and they've been a big part of, of making my game better at number ten. Ronan is the first cousin of my own, and uh, I've played around now for since 2008 when he was only a minor. Uh, he came into the senior panel and okay. from the minors into a county final and kicked two points. Um, so we knew then we had something. And as for Dahi, Dahi this day is now was well known. Um, the two of them dovetail fantastic together. Ronan tends to play more ball than Dahi, but when Dahi's on the field, his, his numbers and stats and his breaking up the ball and his, his contribution is enormous. So them two together are, are a very fitting pair and I'd fancy them against any, any other pair um, out there at the moment if they're on their game. So very happy to put those two in the middle field. Spot on. As you said, they're a good partnership. One Kind of one goes forward, one sits back. That's sort of a... Do we know yeah, they're, they're, they're both able to get on the score sheet. They're both able to defend and, and that's what you want from your, your pair in the middle and uh, they like the battle as well. So we, we like to see that coming. Yeah, perfect. Um, so you've said already that you have yourself a number 10, so we'll go on to the number 11 and, and 12 then. So number 11, I have a guy called Michael Farher. So Michael has been, he came in with Ronan at, uh, in 2008. Um, he's played a little bit with Galway um, on and off, but he's been he's been a key and central figure for us in Kirkman. Um Mike played most of football underage at fullback, uh, a little bit of six, and has moved right. up uh, to number 11 now. 
if you want to win a kick out, you kick it to Mike. Um, if you want to see how to tackle, you watch Mike. Uh, Mike has given me more assists, I'd say, over the last couple of years than anybody else, be it long or short passes, be it sneaky little hand passes out the back door, whatever it is. He, he's just a, an all-round footballer and he's as hard as nails as well, which is, which is a, a compliment he'll enjoy if he hears this. Um, but yeah, key components any, any team I'd have going forward. And uh, another big game player, um, the bigger the game, the more chance you have of getting the most out of Mike. And uh, he's been a key component to the side going, going for us over the last couple of years. And um, he's plenty young enough to do to do more damage, I hope, going forward. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, he's a good one. And then the next guy, again, I don't think needs too much introduction. It's Michael Lennon. Uh, another guy went into the guy panel that uh, gave me some time and, and, and gave me some help around settling into the situation. Um, and even now, meeting the guy is just a breath of fresh air, an absolute change. But as far as on the field, football-wise goes, I don't know. I don't know that I've met too many uh, better than him. I know there's a slight comparison between him and Shane at the moment, but I, I don't think there is. I think Michael Allen has, has still a bit on him, and uh, hopefully Shane can get to those levels. But yeah, Michael Allen was a machine. We, we, he played at eight, nine, ten, eleven. But again, he was a bit of a Matty Donnelly in that he he never. It didn't matter what number he was wearing. He was going to be everywhere, and he could pop up with one six, or he could pop up with eight or nine points, or he could pop up with two of the biggest tackles you ever saw. But a phenomenal footballer and a phenomenal person to have around any team or panel. Spot on. Uh, three three spots left now, and I'm looking at it here. And uh, as you said, a few guys now that don't need, need much of an introduction, and I think you can see it for the next three as well. Yeah, the, these three these three don't need any introduction. These guys are, are household names for sure. Uh, the first guy I've played with since first year in Jarrett's, um, huge influence on my football career, huge influence on me personally as well. That's Michael Meehan. Um, Michael, first evening I encountered him was probably at 12 years of age, started a training session in St. Charlotte's. He got a ball in midfield. It was like watching a bowling ball going over Skittles, and then about 20 yards out, he nearly broke the crossbar and put it in the top corner, and everyone just froze. There was 100 kids out there waiting to go training, and this bullock came through the middle. and Phenomenal, and then he, I think we went unbeaten in Charlotte's, and he was the key component to the whole lot of it. He was just phenomenal. And then from there on out, his career, how he didn't get an Austin there, and it's so unfortunate he didn't get a, a, a Kelsey Cross, but he has his club medals, he's a couple of Sigersons, he has home cups, he has a lot of things. Um, but a, a phenomenal footballer and a professional before a pro- professional in everything he did. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I said, a huge a huge leader in any any dress room he was in, even from an early age, he was fantastic. Yeah, and he's he's got a few of the journalist teams now. It's he's definitely a good model to have for the the journalist teams coming through. Yeah, well, if you're going to get a, a Jarlitz footballer that you want to get modelled on, then model yourself on Mike Meehan because uh, he, he was and is probably the standard bearer of what was in Jarlitz. And uh, he's there now and hopefully he can he can influence it to get back to the top, which would be, be great for everyone to see. Spot on. The next guy needs absolutely no introduction, uh, Park Joyce. So again, another guy that gave me good time when I was in as a young man into the, the senior panel and it's only now when I'm at my age that I realise how, how important those guys were. It didn't it wasn't like they were meeting me for cups of tea and, and hearing me sad stories. They were just simple things of training that if I was making mistakes they gave me a word. Not always the nicest or kindest word, but it was it was a communication that I needed and they were key key to that and uh, I've kept up a good relationship with Park over the years. What a player. Um he could do things and see things and, and control things that I haven't seen other players do. He he could control games in club, club games, he, he was getting 10, 11, 12, 12 points a game and he was controlling every aspect of the game and you, you thought you were going to get on top of him, he just worked. And I've been at county level, he produced on the biggest days. Again, huge big game player. Um, I think the bigger the game, the, the better you're going to get from Park. And he, he did that in 2001 Ireland final and he kicked 10 points off, off Darren Fair or something like that. Just freaking nature stuff. Yeah. And, and um, he was fantastic to play with. Just You could kick Anthony at him and he was sticking and once he got it in, you knew good things were going to happen. So, a fantastic guy to have around. And he, he was one of the players, I'm sure, that he just had so much trust in that, like, when you, when you you have your job done, you've got the ball up a certain distance. When you give it to Park Joyce, you know, there's only one place. Yeah, you, you just make sure you get him a good ball and you were fine. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't going to kick something on the ground to him. You were going to make sure it was a bounce in front. Otherwise, you were going to hear about it. But yeah, you knew ball in hand, he was going to do damage, or at the very least, he was going to bring somebody else into the game to do damage. He was just the total, the total total football genius inside there and, and he could make any form and he take a brilliant brilliant guy to have around and, and your last, last guy, then. yeah the last guy the last guy I played with for the last 10 years or so and uh, in some ways I thought for years he was so underrated the things he was doing and then he got his all-star last year year before and I thought yeah 
But um, Ian Burke is the last guy I'm going to put in number 15. Um, I suppose everyone knows about him now at this stage, but um, I suppose he's your, your tricker these days, your little Magista in the corner. He's not big, he's not he's not over, only daunting physically, but if he gets a ball and when he gets a ball, he has timing, space, hands, feet, uh, recognises opportunities and, and rarely makes a mistake with, with, the, with his pass. And he just causes havoc everywhere he goes. Um, I'd love to have put Martin Farrer in there with him because them two together are just fantastic to, to play with and the, the runs and the cohesion and the communication between them is just phenomenal but uh, saying that I think having the other two boys in the full forward line with him would make it interesting as well um, Yeah, it'll work so Yeah, yeah, they, they might be just decent uh, you'd have a hard job getting three man markers to deal with them three boys now that's for sure Hold on, listen Gary, that 15 I, it, not much more needs to be said about it Apart from, apart from just the 15, though, there's probably a few guys that, if you had to bring them on now, I'm sure it's a few lads that you would... Yeah, if I was given the opportunity. So your, your apologies list, I suppose. I have, I have a lot have a lot of apologies. Um, I suppose goalkeeper-wise, Tom Healy was, was our 2015 club keeper, and he was with Galway as well in 2014-15 when, when we got back on top of me all for a while. He, he's a very, very talented guy, and uh, could easily have, have put him in, in goal there. Martin Mack was another one. Martin McNamara was... Uh, just finished up a senior career as I started and I mean I could easily have just dropped him in there and said look genius and he, he is and was and he's a superb coach he's in McCall and now doing goalkeeping coaching and what a great guy to have around um, people like Sean Oak didn't get in I just played a little bit with him towards the end of his career I could easily have dropped him in there easily yeah. dropped him uh, Gizzy McGrath is another one I've played for a few years uh, could easily have dropped him in there uh, Joe Bergen in midfield wouldn't have been a bad shout um, another guy called Kieran Comer who's on the 2001 All-Ireland final team as well a huge player in our club could easily have dropped him in um, you can go three or four it's Paul Clancy Derek Savage uh, Nicky Joyce them guys didn't get a shout didn't get pushed in there um, even the likes of Martin Farrer Jason Minard off our current team um, yeah. they, they haven't got a shout in there either and, and I don't think I'd be affecting the, the power of the team too much by putting them in so the apologies list will be exceptionally long, but uh, if we yeah, ever get to... Yeah, you do an A versus B there, no problem at all. Just a little bit, yeah, just a little yeah. bit. Um, if we do it again, we, we'll, we'll throw in the, the 15 as well. We'll put an A versus B the next time and make it really interesting. 100%, I'd go for that, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's... Oh, last question. Captain. Oh. Um... Yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's a good question. That's a really good one. Uh, Mike Farrer. Yeah. Yeah, just a quite unassuming. Not going to be running a shout in the dressing room, but he is going to produce and he is going to lead, and that's 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 what I I would expect. I could easily say Mike Meehan. I could easily say um, Adam Burke or Port Joyce, but I think for just quite unassuming and minds his own space, but uh, gives off the right vibes. I give it to Mike Farrer. Yeah, like it's like the captain doesn't have to do all the talking, the lead by example on the field as well. That's all you want. Yeah, catch a hard ball when it's needed to be done, get a score when it's needed to be got. That's that's what you want from your captain. Um, the rules and speeches thing doesn't do with me. Banging tables doesn't do with me at all. Well, listen, I think that wraps up the podcast now. Uh, Gary, thanks a million for joining yeah. me. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And this is, yeah, as I said, now this is number nine, number 10. Hopefully, we'll have, hopefully I'll have someone sort out for number 10 soon. So, uh, I just stopped recording.